Hello again, and thanks for listening today. This is Stepping Into Freedom, the podcast about standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free from Alma 5840 in the Book of Mormon. Today's episode 39 with Tom Elbenchain. Uh, Tom is in uh, Colorado Springs, a longtime resident. He served a mission in Munich, Germany uh, for the church. Uh, spent, was it 20 years in the IT industry, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Today works in real, uh, excuse me, in um, investment for real estate and serves in church as the stake finance auditor uh, and works with the self-reliance program in the church. He has also served as a bishop, stake high counselor, elders quorum president, young men's president, and we're going to be addressing prayer today and how that helps set us free. So thanks for joining us today. Oh, Paul, thanks for having me. Uh, this is a topic that I'm passionate about. Great stuff. Um, now, I, I, something that I, I personally, for me, I'm, I'm like I'm, for myself, really glad that we were addressing this today um, because, um, you know, I growing up, I always like, you know, it, it was a habit. My parents made sure it was, you know, family and personal prayer was always a regular thing, and, and they stressed the importance of it. Um, but to some of the questions I have for you tonight, hopefully, are going to maybe answer this for me and other people as well, because um, I've always struggled with, um, I guess, not having faith that it's important, but having faith in how I'm doing, how effectively I'm actually getting into prayers and discerning answers and things like that. So, um, hopefully, we'll get a bit into that too, and you have some perspective for us. Good, I hope so. Uh, yeah, but uh, so for, for the first question, I want to ask you how we you know we've often heard in church meetings uh, for our listeners tonight. Uh, I'm sure many of them can sympathize with this that you know that prayer is not meant to change the Lord's mind, but to change us and help us understand His will. Uh, so, could you relate any experience where you know uh, praying in faith uh, became especially liberating or heart changing for you? Yeah. Um... I'm going to tie it definitely back into personal freedom. Um, I think the way we teach prayer in the church is a great start. And I think one of the challenges as we mature in the gospel is to go beyond the basic teachings of when we were children or when we were new members of the church or what we traditionally learn about prayer. At least that's what I've learned personally. I mean, that's really all any of us can do is share our own experiences, right? And um, I will just tell you that uh, when it comes to prayer, I think sometimes we lock ourselves, uh, with the help of the adversary perhaps, into a cage of what prayer can be, should be, must be. And I think the Lord's definition of prayer is a lot broader, a lot more open. And he wants us to experience uh, something incredibly powerful in prayer that unless we're willing to kind of deepen is the word I use, deepen our practice of prayer, we, we can't quite get to. And I spent quite a few years kind of struggling against um, maybe the, the boundaries that I had run into with prayer throughout my life. I've done a lot of praying throughout the years, um, definitely starting with my mission, right? You know, pray 12, 15, 20 times a day, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and those were heartfelt prayers, you know, we were very sincere and then, you know, afterwards and all your callings with your family, you know, you say these prayers. And yet I got to a point in my life, Paul, where I don't know the prayer was that nourishing to me. Um, it was dutiful. It was, um, you know, definitely done out of obedience. But um, 
there were several times I think in my life, I can't quite pinpoint exactly which year it was, but it wasn't enough. And, um, you know, I'd find myself, you know, maybe kneeling down at the bedside after a very long day and doing my best to, you know, be obedient, to pray, do it the best that I knew how, as I'd been taught, falling asleep or having my mind wander. And remember feeling like, you know, really guilty about that, right? And, you know, kind of adding on this uh, this feeling of, of shame or fear that, you know, somehow I just wasn't measuring up, you know, and it's kind of this voice. Wow. I totally know that feeling. Cause like, that's the thing is part of the the way you're saying that just nails it on the head for me personally, at least. Cause it's like, you know, I've always wondered, you know, how do I make my prayers more of a, well, a spiritual experience instead of just feeling like I'm just talking, you know? Oh, exactly. You know, and I'll be honest with you. There was a time in my life. I've always been active in the church. Uh, and, you know, that part of that's my personality, I realize, right? I'm kind of a rule follower. I, that, that's something that gives me comfort and, and maybe security and structure in my life. Um, I think some members I've learned that maybe don't maintain kind of an active, if you will, you know, habit of going to church and being at church. I wouldn't say they're any less, um, you know, honest with their spirituality than I was. I just happened to show up every week because I needed that. Um, but I don't know that I was in a better place spiritually than somebody who you know, was or wasn't attending church. So anyhow, as, as it went, you know, um, that was not a good place to be in, right? Of feeling like your prayers weren't really that effective, like you weren't getting that much out of them. And yet, you know, I'd continue to pray because, you know, what other option did I have for me not praying felt worse, right? Yeah, almost like, a, like well, I need to keep trying something kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I'd go through ups and downs. And then this um, crazy thing happened to me about 10 years ago. I'm standing in a park here in Colorado Springs um, on a Friday evening, feeling really stressed out. It had been a long week, you know. And I found myself kind of quietly praying. And I was I remember very clearly, you know how you have those spiritual moments in your life where the spirit really speaks clearly to you and you kind of remember everything, right? You remember where you were, who you were with. It's like one of those like aha moments. Oh yeah. And I remember watching like a thundercloud rolling in, you know, over the mountain um, that's here near us in, in town. And you know, how it was streaming kind of rain behind it. You could see the black streaks coming down. And I don't know why I remember that, but I, I, it was at that moment that I just felt one word come into my mind and it was relax. <laughs> just relax. Now for me, I'm a bit of a type A personality, you know, try to be organized, try to be, you know, kind of, you know, do things a certain way. Um, I've learned over the last 10 years, uh, that's a slow journey for somebody like me to learn to relax. <laughs> and, but I think the message for me was to relax in some of my spiritual habits that if this makes sense, I was trying too hard and it wasn't that hard actually, if I would just kind of let go and so um, I knew that that was a message that I needed. And um, like and six so, months It ago. sounds like, sorry, it, it almost sounds like kind of a, a message uh, from what you're saying, like uh, not a, you know, relax as in don't worry about doing them so much, but relax as in just let the spirit guide it. Stop trying to force things kind of thing. Absolutely. In fact, somebody told me this week <clears throat> that, you know, in Psalms uh, 46.10, where it says, be still and know that I am God. If you dig into the Hebrew behind that word, be still, or that 
that duo, um, you start to see related words that are everything from, um, you know, instead of be still, it's let go, it's slacken, it's uh, loosen. Um, and Hebrew is a fairly complex language, and I'm no expert, but as you just delve into, you know, the various contexts of those those words be still, you start to realize that that's exactly what that means, is just to stop struggling and to relax and basically trust the Lord. That's where it's all at, right? And that's what I think the message was when when I heard that word relax. It was, you know, you need to learn to trust me more. So that's after a lifetime of, uh, you know, trying as hard as I could, right? Just trying as hard as I could. And so, you know, this crazy thing, like, I don't know, six months later happened. Um, stake presidency, the stake president called me into his office and, you know, called me as bishop. And uh, <laughs> I thought I thought to myself at that time, wow, it's sure a good thing the Lord taught me to relax because, boy, now <laughs> I can be ready to be bishop. Little did I know, right? I wasn't even started learning oh, to relax yet, right? So anyhow, that kind of takes me into um, a story for me where obviously as a bishop, you know, you do a lot of praying and, um, you know, you pray with the word council, you pray with members as they come in, you pray, you know, before you start your day, um, definitely on Sundays when you have kind of long days and you have a lot to do and, you know, a lot of responsibilities. Um, and Paul, it was the coolest thing. Here I am trying my hardest, but I still hadn't learned to relax. And, uh, I realized that what I really needed was to feel deep down how much God accepted my efforts and how much he loved me. I did not know that that's what I needed at the time because I was kind of stressed out still, right? Just trying my hardest to do my best. I, well, I, I bet. Of, like you just called as a bishop. Oh, I have so much to have to. Oh, yeah. yeah. They talk about a little bit of pressure, right? You want to do everything right and you know you take that very seriously. So here I am and over a period of years – I had what I consider the real blessing of meeting with people that were in very bad places in their lives, right? I mean, they, maybe they'd made some mistakes, sure, but when I got to know their backstory, I'm like, oh, I don't think I would have done as well as you had I, had I faced those challenges, right? And so here I am, and, and as a bishop, right, you're, you're trying to be inspired and to share things that, you know, you feel inspired to share to help people. And, of course, that process works. That's the good news, right? Yeah. The, Lord, the Lord does inspire his bishops and other leaders. And I would find myself saying things that I knew were not my words, right, yeah. um, that just came to me in the moment. And then I would feel this intense feeling of love for the person sitting across the desk from me. And it happened again and again and again. And somewhere in that process, the logic finally hit me that if the Lord loved those people that much, the people who had made big mistakes over and over again, right? The people who were just not in a great place in their life. And I knew how much he loved them. And I'm like, well, maybe he loves me that much too. Kind of a weird, you know, maybe realization to have as a bishop, right? <laughs> yeah. But I needed that, right? And that changed the way I prayed. Um. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Did I pray out of duty? Not nearly as much. Um, and so, anyhow, that was that was really the beginning cool. of of a, a really life changing process that has brought me to where I am now. Yeah. Almost, where prayer is just one of my favorite things. Instead of it being kind of a duty or a burden because I didn't feel like I was doing it well enough, now it's like you know I get excited because I have time to pray. 
Yeah, that's cool. It almost reminds me, um, oh, what's that, uh, there's a part in, um, I, I, I'm assuming you're familiar with uh, Jack R. Was it Jack R. Christensen, The Mortal Christ? I think, okay. that's, I think that's what I'm talking about. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if you've heard his lectures there. Um, I think it's like a few CD lectures he does uh, called The Mortal Christ. But anyways, there's a part in there where he says, um, you know, brothers and sisters, we need to quit saying prayers and pray. Does that make sense to you? You know, we you know, thank the Heavenly yep. Father for, for the food that's on in front of us. You know, please bless it. They'll do us a good thing we need. We ought to never get sick. You know, bless that we'll have a safe ride home. We ought to never get in accidents. And those are good prayers. He says, but they're not going to help you if you're struggling with an addiction, is it? That's right. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's like it's um, a matter of like like you're you know, talking about just letting the Holy Ghost guide and just speak as if He's there because He is. Well, and you know, one of the things that breaks my heart and it has for some time now is when I see members of the church who either came to me when I was a bishop or, you know, now come out publicly on some social media outlet and they say that they just can't be members of the church anymore because they're, they find that they're, they're too weighed down with guilt and the, and they see the church as being kind of the source of that guilt. Right. And they just say, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me was I walked away from the church and now I feel so much better. And that it, it really does break my heart because that's a trick that's been played on them, in my opinion. Um, the guilt and the shame doesn't come from the church or the Lord's commandments. It comes from the adversary. And yep, then yep. he perpetrates the crime and then blames it on the church and the church's leaders and the Lord himself and, uh, and uses that as an excuse. And so people walk away and they feel better maybe for a little while, but what they do is often they walk away from a relationship with heavenly father as well. I mean, they, I think they find it very difficult to leave the church and continue to pray mm-hmm. many times. Um, you know, when people walk away, they're walking away, not just from the church, but they're often walking away from religion in general. Right. Yeah. Um, and that brings us to our point, right? You were talking about freedom, and that's what I love about your podcast, this stepping into freedom. And, you know, my thought was that, you know, the adversary really is the great jailer, right? And oh, yeah. I, I thought about this, and in my own life, I like to liken it to, you know, feeling like I'm in a jail cell with the bars, right? Yeah. And I'm on one side, and the devil's on the other side, and he's got a big ring of keys, and he's mocking me and anybody else, right? And he's jangling his keys, and he's making a bunch of noise, and he's keeping our our attention riveted on the fact that, you know, we're stuck. <laughs> and then I realized through my own practice of prayer that there's only one set of bars on one wall. The other three are completely open, and the Savior's standing behind us, whispering, you know, just turn around and ignore him and, and relax, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and come to me. And, yeah. and, you know, that's cool because the, the word repentance actually means to turn, yeah. Uh, yeah. at least in Hebrew. And so, wow, what an opportunity that is to just turn around yeah. and walk the other direction and begin the process of learning to ignore the adversary. It's not um, an overnight light switch kind of experience. It's oh, absolutely, a, yeah. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the whole ignoring the adversary with the bar analogy because it reminds me of something I was reading actually recently in that book, um, Like Dragons, They Did Fight. I don't know if you've heard of that one. But 
there's a part in there where he talks about kind of the, you know, how Satan tries to hijack our brain chemistry and whisper things to us. And then, and, you know, then when we, we feel like we're trapped in this, you know, vicious cycle of, you know, bad thought patterns or behavior, he steps back. He's like, oh, no, hold on. That wasn't me. That was all you. There must be something wrong with you kind of thing, right? But in reality, it's just him whispering. And, and there's this guy, and then the book talks for, for a little bit about, um, you know, you know that, that psychology, you know, global, like kind of all history is a relatively young science. And that a lot of psychologists and social workers today will have, will have this thing of, they, they have this, what's the term he used? Um, negative self-talk. And this, this guy proposes the idea that, well, wait a minute, maybe if it's not just self, maybe it's not just negative self-talk. Maybe that's the adversary whispering in your ear, convincing you that that's actually your voice in your head when it's really his. And the only thing, like you said, that we have to do is just turn around. Yeah, you know, Paul, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I've thought about a lot. Um, you know, for me, I, you know, I believe what we're taught about the plan of salvation, right? That there is a being originally called Lucifer who continues to this day, right? To, you know, to oppose God's work. And so he's as real to me as, you know, heavenly father. Um, and when I recognize that it, it seems logical and just obvious to me that he has a role in, um, you know, the thoughts we have. I don't know if every thought that comes into my brain that's negative is his, you know, will putting it into my brain or if all he has to do is um, suggest it and then give me a little push and I do the rest. Yeah, I'm not yeah. quite, I'm not quite sure how that works, but I do know that that's not the Lord's influence in my life. Yeah. What was that uh, uh, quote by Brigham Young? If you have a negative thought about yourself, tell it to go to hell because that's where it came from. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I like that one. And so, yeah, I very much believe what you were saying there about this negative self-talk and uh, it's not worthy of us, right? And uh, that's where prayer comes in, if you ask me. It's a big part of getting past that. For sure, yeah. Awesome. Thanks for your input on that. Um, so for the next thing here, move on to that. Um, uh, and this kind of actually ties a little bit to what you're just saying there too. Um, you know, so often these days we, we hear people ask the question, you know, the, the Age-old question, how do I tell the difference between my own feelings and the promptings of the Holy Ghost and answer to prayer, right? We hear that so many times. So I, I'm curious to get your perspective on that one here. Wow. Um, so the, I'm just going to start off with a blanket statement that um, I, <laughs> I love our current prophet, President Nelson. I can't say that I haven't loved every one of our prophets in my lifetime oh, yeah. right, that I've known, but... President Nelson just has a special place for me. Um, maybe he kind of speaks my language in a way that just comes to me and uh, that I understand. And so I'm going to quote him a little bit because I have a, I have a favorite quote. I'll find Go it. Go for it. Quick. Yeah. But he talks about that exact experience. So, um, you know, um, when it comes to discerning, the spirit and the answers we get. I don't know. Let me ask you a question real quick. Have you ever had an experience where you really feel like you had an answer to prayer and you exercised faith and it just didn't happen? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, and you know, when that first happened to me, you know, for instance, um, I had experiences earlier in my life where I had significant, what I considered significant personal revelation. You know, it was something about maybe who to marry. Right. I felt that that was a gift that I was given to help me. Um, I needed that. And, um, you know, so the Lord uh, 
really helped me make that decision. And uh, yeah, it's been a good decision in my life, right? <laughs> uh, we've been married yeah, 31 years now. So um, that's that's been a great thing. So I learned from that experience, right? I, I, I used that pattern for how I felt, how the spirit felt when I prayed about that. Uh, a few years later, I was making a big career change after I graduated from college. And, um, you know, we're doing a lot of fasting and praying to know where to wind up, what to do. And I went through that process of personal revelation and it was strong and distinct. Um, and so I said, good, you know, that's what personal revelation feels like. Yeah. And then a number of years later, um, I was looking at a job change again and I prayed about it and I said, well, it worked before this is exactly how it's supposed to go. And so I felt the spirit as I was praying about this job change. And uh, let me just say that, uh, I went in a particular direction that I felt was correct based on how I felt. And it was using the same model, the same pattern that I'd always used in my life. And it didn't go where I expected. And I was, I was disappointed to say the least. Right. I'm like, oh, I was confused, a little bit frustrated. Like I thought I was doing it right. Really? <laughs> exactly. I thought, you know, what it is is to be honest with you, when you're trying to, uh, kind of codify what the spirit, how it works, and what to do. And again, that's my personality. I like to have rules. I like to, you know, <laughs> say this is just how it works, right? Yeah. And oh, but the Lord, he's he's always busy expanding our minds and our understandings. And so I guess it was time for me to expand my understanding a little bit. So after I had applied for a number of jobs that I was just sure the Lord wanted me to have, right? And I didn't even get a call for an interview, right? I'm like, oh, wow, I, I blew that. And like six months later, I had been praying for a particular kind of job change, right? And I'd felt inspired that I was going to move from one part of kind of my field in communications to another. And then it didn't happen, and I kind of forgot about it. And uh, then out of the blue, um, I get an opportunity at work to switch to a different team. Instead of changing companies, I just got the opportunity to move from one team to another. And they asked me, I, I had done three different kinds of work at that time. I'd done some project management and I'd done some business analysis work for the IT developers. And I'd also done, you know, a lot of communications and they said, well, do you want to do business analysis? Do you want to do uh, program management or do you want to do executive communications? And executive communications is what I had felt strongly about six months before that the Lord was going to lead me to that job. And, uh, bingo, you know, I knew exactly what the answer needed to be. And I just answered my, my boss immediately. I said, Oh, I know that. I know what I want. Well, six months before that, <laughs> I was sure the Lord was going to lead me to this new executive communications position, which he did in his own good time. And I just missed it. You know, I, I got in a hurry or I wanted the answer. I felt the answer and I just, oh, I was tired of the job I was in. I was like, well, that's good. I appreciate that answer. Next week would be just fine, Lord. <laughs> you know, and you, and you hear people say that, oh, we got to do it in the Lord's timing. But, you know, when you're in the moment... Oh, sometimes it's so easy to forget and um, we do it anyhow. So anyhow, lots of experiences that way. But one thing I'd like to share, Paul, with you is um, President Nelson's uh, uh, his advice on personal revelation. So in the first general conference after he was, um, you know, ordained and set apart as, you know, our new prophet, he talked about revelation for the church and revelation for our lives. I that think was such a good one. Wow. Oh my goodness. Uh, I, I just love that talk. I read it again and again. So in there, 
um, you know, he said a few times, uh, well, if you don't mind, let me quote him. Yeah. He said, if we will truly receive the Holy Ghost and learn to discern and understand his promptings, we will be guided in matters large and small. And then, um, you know, he also said that uh, um, one of the things that had been impressed upon his mind since his new calling as prophet was how willing the Lord was to reveal his mind and will. Now, doesn't that, you know, I thought about that and I went, wait, this guy's been an apostle since 1984. <laughs> Why did this come as a, you know, like any kind of a revelation to him? Um, obviously, I guess when you're called as prophet, different doors open up, right? I mean, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I guess. But, but he said that, right? And I'm like, wow, that's cool. And he said, the privilege of receiving revelation is one of the greatest gifts of God to his children. He didn't say to his prophet. He said to his children. Well, it's, I think of um, what Joseph Smith said, I might be paraphrasing here, where he said that, you know, the Lord will reveal every secret of his kingdom to even the least saint as fast as he is able to receive it. Amen. And that's exactly what the Lord's work is. He's preparing us to live like he lives. He's got to teach us how to do it, right? And there's a lot to learn. And, and uh, personal revelation, you know, of course, is a big part of that. So um, one of the things that President Nelson said, as he said, find a quiet place where you can regularly go, humble yourself before God, pour out your heart to your Heavenly Father, Turn to him for answers and for comfort. And then he said, pray in the name of Jesus Christ about your concerns, your fears, your weaknesses. Yes, the very longings of your heart. And then listen. And when I heard him say that in conference, man, I sat bolt upright in my chair. And it, it had that, I guess paralleled my own experience of the last 10 years so much that I immediately recognized the truth in his statement. And um, then he went on to say, write the thoughts that come into your mind, record your feelings, and then follow through with actions that you were prompted to take. And then the best part of the whole thing is he said, as you repeat this process, and that process, again, was humbling ourselves and then pouring out our hearts, all of the things in our hearts, everything from our desires to our fears to everything. Yeah, no holds barred, empty every corner Absolutely. of yourself. Empty, empty everything. And he said, and then listen, right? And then yeah. write, and then take action. And he said, as you repeat this process day after day, month after month, year after year, and he knows a few things about that, right? <laughs> he says, you will grow into the principle of revelation, and that's, that phrase, that principle of revelation is, is you know, something that Joseph Smith used when he was teaching about revelation. Well, so. And I, I think, too, when you the, the word grow into, I just, just now, I love the, how you use that because um, sometimes I'll use the analogy of the gospel being a big coat that doesn't fit us yet. <laughs> and it's like, it's like you kind of, you know, the whole gift of salvation from death or from sin or whatever, or, or exaltation, whatever, to being perfected, all that great stuff, right? It's like a big coat that doesn't fit us yet. And is, you know, kind of as, you know, we, the whole growing into revelation, it, it, I have this imagery in my head of, you know, learning, you know, how to use this coat, you know, how to access different parts of it. And then once we finally grow into it, it's like, oh, this, it's, it, it, it's not just a matter of, oh, I deserve this. It, it's like, it fits me now, you know? Yeah, and it comes, 
almost as a surprise to us, I think, as we grow into it. You know, like we're not really paying attention. We're not thinking necessarily about growing into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, we look back and, you know, something's happened and, and uh, it fits us better than it used to, right? <laughs> and we see the progress and we recognize that we didn't have that much to do with the progress other than, you know, giving it our best try in our own kind of incomplete way. Um, but that the Lord is merciful and he's, you know, seeing to our education, right? And he, he and sanctifies the, he sanctifies, his work. I'm oh, sorry, sorry about that. No, go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, he sanctifies our efforts and makes it so that our meager part, he kind of, it can expand that and be like, oh, look where, look where I got you now, right? So. Oh, yeah, that, I mean, isn't that almost the, the exact definition of grace, right? Enabling power. Yeah. And then awesome. Multiple. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and, I think, try some of that, that part of present Nelson's talk myself now more often. So. <laughs> You know, so what I, um, the thing that I'm so passionate about is, is teaching about the practice of deepening our prayer life. Yeah, and actually, did you mention that, if you could, um, if you were willing to kind of take that and maybe use that to address the last question, if you, if you would, um, maybe with kind of what you're doing on Facebook with the higher attitudes thing, like being the, the, kind of the admin of that higher attitudes page, um, Maybe talking about that in connection with you know how having a higher attitude has changed your experience with speaking to God. Absolutely. So the whole genesis of higher attitudes, um, maybe four or five years ago now, my wife and I knew that um, you know we wanted to spend significant time and effort um, just helping others. Right. We really. My time as a bishop was more of a gift to me than anybody else. I mean, I just learned so much, especially how much the Lord loves his children. Felt that over and over and over again. And we just felt like there's work to be done out there, right? Um, and you can take the internet and, oh, you know, not always a positive place, right? <laughs> yeah. And we found, as we talked about it, we, we found that the common thread seemed to be the way we think. And especially in my life, right, I realized that you know, my nature is to be somewhat of a pessimistic thinker, right? I tend to see the problems first. And, you know, I'm, I'm really good at solving problems and avoiding them. And so, you know, maybe that's my gift. But the downside to that is um, I see them a lot, right? And, and it's easy <laughs> for me to focus on them. And so I've spent quite a few years studying positive thinking, positivity. There's, there's a number of good books that um, have come out in the area of social psychology, which is kind of a new branch of psychology where they talk about, you know, happying up our thoughts, right? And so it started for me with that, but it, it's gone way beyond it. And that's where it ties into prayer for me. And, um, you know, so with higher attitudes, we just decided, my wife, Julie, and I, that um, it was time to start talking about how we can lift ourselves by the way we think. And of course, um, for anyone who is familiar with the gospel and the blessings that, uh, you know, that brings into our lives, that's a centerpiece of being able to, to raise our thoughts to higher levels, right. Yeah. And to think in different ways and, um, you know, higher attitudes, um, that's really behind everything that we're doing. So our Facebook group is a part of that. We try to share some, you know, positive uh, things daily, whether that's quotes from, uh, you know, one of the leaders of the church or 
honestly, some of them are very personal things that have come from my own journal um, that, you know, have been given to me as gifts that I then share with other people, right? And so that's been positive. And, and you know, we, you know, our, we have a website, higherattitudes.com, where we have, you know, materials for couples and men and women. All of it's focused on helping people think differently, which, by the way, is another definition of repentance. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Right. It's it's about learning to look to the Lord and trust Him, and in one way or another, that's what that's all about. So, anyhow, and, and so one one focus of the work that uh, I like to do with with higher attitudes is to teach people to deepen their prayer life, and uh, um, it has made all the difference in my life. And it's just something that I feel like anybody who will take the time to listen, I'm, I'm excited about um, taking some time and sharing with them, you know, my own experiences. And so, um, so for me, I think going back to that quote from president Nelson, where he says, you know, just empty everything out. Right. For me, that's, that's a form of going deeper. And because when we pour it all out, what we're really doing is we're getting clear about what our concerns, what our desires are, what our fears are. If we don't recognize them enough to verbalize them, then they stay in the murky background and that becomes the devil's playground in our mind. He can, he can twist those things. He can warp them. He can blame them on us. He can blame them on others. But when we get clear about what's really going on, um, then that becomes a source of light for us. And the Lord, I know from my own experience, is willing to help us sort through our own junk, right? And that's become a big part of prayer for me rather than, you know, going with the basic model we're taught when we're children or when we're new members, you know, where you, you know, just say what you're thankful for and and ask for what you need. I mean, that's a great basic model. But what happens when you multiply that by like 100 and you pour everything (laughs) out, right? What a cool experience that becomes. So that's part of deepening for me. And then the next part of deepening is listening and learning to listen. And that goes back to your other question that I just like to touch on is how do you know when you do feel inspiration, whether it's your own thoughts, my own thoughts, or whether it's the Lord and Paul, maybe that's still a question that's in the process of being answered perfectly for me. (laughs) as I, as I grow into that principle of revelation, you know, um, maybe I'll have a different answer in 10 years. I hope I'll have a wiser one anyhow, but yeah, I think, I think I, the thing you from President Nelson already gives us a good direction to start. So, yeah, absolutely. And the, the thing about that listening process is I've realized that the Lord works with our own language, our own background, our own thoughts. And that's why it's important to get clear and to understand who we are and where we're coming from and to express ourselves to the Lord. And then he's able through his spirit to put things into our minds and our hearts that sometimes it's a little bit hard to, to interpret. And sometimes we might interpret it wrong, but what I've learned is to not be scared of that process of trying to figure out how much of it's me and how much of it's him, because he will guide me. And and like I said, back with that experience with my job, even though I heard that he wanted to give me a new job in a different field and I misinterpreted the time frame and the process for getting there, that didn't disqualify me from his blessings, right? He, he was merciful still. And so that, you know, going back to what I said at the very beginning, when he told me 
10 years ago or so that I needed to learn to relax. Oh, what a journey that's been. <laughs> Prayer's been a big part of it because as I've learned to relax and just trust him, I, I've learned that he's got me much more than I ever thought. And Yeah, I, I love that, the whole the trusting him thing. It kind of ties into when you were saying, um, you know, he, he knows how we work and how to communicate to us specifically. It reminded me of the, of the scripture in Jacob 4 where I forget the verse where he says, you know, the spirit speaketh according to man's understanding. He knows what we're going to understand. He knows what kinds of things he needs to say. And, um, you know, therefore it's like, he's, look, look, he knows what kinds of things you're going to recognize. So just, like you said, trust him. That's right. And he'll teach us line upon line, right? Precept upon precept to continually understand more. And as our own understanding evolves and changes, then perhaps the way he speaks to us will change as well. I mean, I think it has in my life. So one thing I'd like to share before we end is, is a practice that has really changed my life. Um, have you ever heard of a, a practice called prayer journaling? Yeah, actually I have. So it's, it's gotten a little bit popular and people have different takes on it. Um, but it goes back to what President Nelson, and this is why I really set up when President Nelson said that in, in conference a little over a year ago, <laughs> yeah. where he said, you know, listen and then write it down and then take action, right? And I, I literally, I set up and I went, write it down, whoa, right? And so some people will, um, you know, pray and then they'll listen and then, you know, they'll journal for a little while afterwards um, and they'll write down specific thoughts that come to them and, you know, that's totally fine. Um, there's lots of different ways to do it. But for me, the experience started maybe, well, I don't know, five years ago or so. And somebody suggested once that um, we, you know, that I write a letter to Heavenly Father. I went, wow, it's kind of a cool idea. I've never done that before. I never even thought you could do that. And so the first question that came into my mind, right, is, is that allowed? <laughs> You know, I've never read that we can't, but I've never read that we should. So it's like, maybe that's against the rules. And, um, but you know, it felt right. And so then the person that was teaching this said, when you get done writing out whatever you want to, you know, you pause for a minute, skip two lines, and then write down your own name and say, dear Tom. And then when you listen, the inspiration that comes to you Write it down like he's answering you. And I thought, double thought, I don't know if that's allowed. <laughs> and that seems kind of presumptuous. And I said, I've got to try it. And so I will tell you, my personality type is a bit anxious. Okay, just a you know, full disclosure. So it took me a while to work through that process. And this goes directly back to your question about how do you know what's inspiration and what's your own, your own thoughts. And I was convinced even after having some of the most powerful spiritual experiences of my life, praying that way, I was convinced that I must be delusional, right? <laughs> Except I knew that, you know, I'd, I'd learned already in my life to feel the spirit. So I kept going, even though I had my doubts. And I kept working through that process. And, you know, today, I don't know, the last time I looked, I used an electronic journal, um, that, uh, you know, I love on my, you know, it's on my PC, it's on my, or my Mac and my, my phone and all of that jazz. But, um, I don't know, I've got like 1100 prayer journal entries now. And some of those 
you know, can just be pages and pages long. And so, Paul, what it did for me, it changed significantly the way I prayed. And so I like to ask people, in fact, I even did this while I was still a bishop. I would ask people the last time they prayed for an hour. I'm going to guess that some people said never. Oh, everybody said never. (laughs) Right? And then I said, well, how about a half an hour? And by this time, they were looking like sheepishly like, oh, my goodness, I am this worthless member of the church. I don't think I've ever prayed for a half an hour. And I said, and then I'd say, you know, what's the longest you've ever prayed? And I was trying to be gentle with them, right? I wasn't trying to make them feel guilty in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, of course. And they'd say, well, there have been a couple of times maybe I've prayed for 20 or 30 minutes, but not very often. And this whole time I'm thinking back on, on my life, right? And I'm like, yeah, the only time I prayed that long was when I was felt like I was in real trouble or I, I desperate for help, right? Yeah. Um, beyond that, it was never that long. And, and so, you know, then we'd have this honest conversation with people about, well, how long do you pray? And they, you know, honestly, they'd say, well, sometimes a couple minutes, sometimes five, maybe 10. And I, you know, and then I, you know, the first thing I always want to do is tell people that if that's the case, you're so totally normal. And the Lord loves us for praying and being consistent in our prayers and desiring to speak with him and for doing our best in expressing ourselves to him, whether it's out of duty or deep love or just whatever brings us to our knees, he is, I'm just convinced he is just so grateful when we do it. Oh, yeah. But there's more. And that's my message about prayer is that there is so much more that the Lord is inviting us to unlock through prayer. And that's the deepening experience. And so for me, journaling works super good because maybe I'm a little ADD. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Um, I do get distracted quite easily. I'm kind of curious and, you know, and that was actually one of my struggles when I was younger, right. I'd be on my knees and before long, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the score of the Broncos game or, you know, just whatever was going on. And I, then I'd feel guilty because my mind wandered. What I found is for me, using a journal to pray makes me focus because I can't type when I'm not focused on what I'm typing. And so for me, it works really well, but you know, I've talked to people who are like, Oh yeah, I can't type that. That wouldn't work, (laughs) you know, or, you know, I, I can't, I get writer's cramp if I write for too long, you know, it's not for everybody, but the, but the practice for me has been one that helps me get really clear on what's bugging me. And as I've learned to do, the Lord kind of led me through the process. He taught me a little bit at a time to do what President Nelson recommended. And that's why that's so powerful to me is that was a real confirmation of exactly how the Lord works. And so here I am, Paul, learning to pray in a different way. And I'm kind of nervous that I'm breaking some rule of prayer that <laughs> nobody's talked about. But I, I know that it's a good thing because of how I feel. And then the prophet, bless his heart, comes out and puts his stamp of approval on what the Lord has been teaching me in the last five years. It's like, oh, I have been doing it right. Uh, and I was just like, oh, thank goodness. I am not, you know, I'm not broken. Ah, you know, and, and so that's, that's the thing. It just If I could leave people with one thing, it's take President Nelson's advice to pour out your soul to the Lord. Yeah. And do it, do it way deeper than you think you need to. And do it more often than you're used to. And, um, you know, for me... Um, the best thing is when I'm pouring out whatever's in my heart 
and I do pour out more on the bad days than the good days. I'm not going to lie to you there. I mean, it's just something about that, right? That yeah, gets yeah. the words flowing. And there's times now where I've learned to really listen for the spirit where the spirit will interrupt me. And instead of me waiting until like I get to the end of my journal entry to stop and listen and write down what I feel, uh, sometimes I get interrupted, right? And there's this powerful thought that comes to me right in the middle of me blathering on about some problem in my life. And, uh, it's like, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me me interject something here for you. Here, this will help. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) And I, I've just learned to stop and, give God the chance to speak to me when I need it. And the more I do that, right, the more I, I guess, more sensitive I've become to yeah. those answers. Cool. And, and so I don't know that there's one right way to do this, but prayer journaling for me has become a very powerful tool, one that has really, really changed, um, you know, what I do with prayer and helped me go deeper. And it's brought significant blessings, and I will just share the most important one, and that is... It's given the Lord an opportunity to tell me over and over and over again how much he loves me. I mean, I have placed my hands on people's heads before as a priesthood holder and given them blessings and powerfully felt that I needed to tell that person that God loved them. I've experienced that time and again. And once in a while, somebody has done that when I've let them give me a blessing. But the most common thing that I feel when I pause to let God speak to me when I'm praying, I can't tell you how often. Actually, I probably could because I could go back in and do a search in my journal and tell you how many times I've written it down. But it's many times that I felt the first thought that comes powerfully to my mind when I pause to listen is, I love you, Tom. And, you know, Paul, all I can tell you is that has changed my life because I don't care how bad I screw up, how incomplete my devotion is. You know, whatever it is, I know that he loves me and then I'll get through whatever's in front of me. And I felt it so many times now that it's becoming like this rock in my life. And that is what motivates me to share more about prayer with people because I'm telling you, every one of us in this darkening world needs that beacon yeah. of God's love to just constantly tell us it's okay. I love you. I definitely have your back and I, we're going to get this together. Right? Yeah, totally. Wow. There's something that I kind of I was thinking about, you know, you know, things that I might be able to um, maybe dovetail into if the spirit directed to. And I think one of the things you said that uh, kind of gives a perfect way to lead into this, the kind of a closing thought, if we, if we might for listeners tonight with the whole um, idea of, of prayer journaling, involves action, right? What are we willing to do? And it reminds me of this uh, quote I pulled from uh, The Blueprint of Christ's Church from Ted Callister. Okay. Um, I love this. He says, uh, Our twin boys were about nine years of age. They were preparing for a piano recital. One practiced with greater diligence than the other. Finally, when the day of reckoning came, my wife noticed that our boy who had been quote-unquote light on his practicing was somewhat nervous and anxious as they were driving to, as, uh, driving to the recital. She pulled the car over and asked if he would like to say a prayer. He responded to the affirmative. Then came a great teaching moment, but this time from child to parent. <laughs> this is cool. It says he responded, uh, oh, sorry. Um, in the course of this prayer, he prayed that he would only make one mistake. Oh, sorry, that he would make only one mistake. 
My wife, somewhat surprised by his prayer, asked why he didn't pray that he would make no mistakes. Then came his profound answer. I didn't think I could ask for that much. Somehow he instinctively knew that he must pray within bounds. In like manner, we must pray within bounds, within the framework of what we have done and what we are willing to do. And with the prayer journaling, you say that, and I'm like, well, how much can the Lord really help us out if we're not willing to, like you said, echoing the prophet, listen and write it down. If we're willing to act, then that opens the channels for better answers, right? So, Absolutely. You know, uh, one thing that I'll kind of merge into this conversation, and it's really its own topic, right? So maybe someday, but the devil is never happy when we're happy, simply. <laughs> and so um, as we try to take action, it's a very fertile field for him, right? To make us feel like we're never taking enough action, we're never taking the right action, we're not taking actions well enough. And it's, it's such an opportunity for him to keep us back and to keep us down. So one of the things I've learned from my practice of, of deepening my habits of prayer is how much the Lord understands our capacity and how merciful he is in helping us even when we don't think we're worthy of it. So um, one thing I'll just state is that if people go back in and they look up the word uh, Satan and even the word devil, as it appears in the New Testament, especially in the book of Revelations, chapter 12, where it's talking about the preexistence, John, in that revelation, calls Satan the accuser of his brethren. And he says, I think it's in verse 10 of chapter 12, he said, and and he accused them before God day and night. Okay, now that was in the pre-existence. Imagine Lucifer accusing his brethren day and night, nonstop, right, before God. And so why would he change when he, you know, when we shift um, playgrounds, if you will, to this world? And then somebody clued me in and they had me look up the word Satan and devil in the Greek lexicon. It's crazy, but both words are related to the word accuse. Um, That's what he does, right? So when we're talking about taking action, which is, of course, very important, we have to be careful because it is important, and the devil knows that it's a weak spot for most of us, right? And so he knows he can pick at it and make us feel unworthy, incomplete, not worthy of having the faith that the Lord will answer our prayers. About hijacking, so, like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just share one personal experience. Um, for many years, I've felt like I need to write more. I mean, it's something I've always been passionate about, but um, you know, I spent my career for many years uh, doing technical writing, right? And user manuals aren't exactly inspiring most of the time. Um, or you know, operations manuals <laughs> for uh, mainframe computer systems, right? Yeah. Um, so... And I always have felt like, man, you know, as I prayed, I felt inspired that the Lord wants me to do more writing. And it's something that I want to do. And I've always felt like I have been kind of disobedient because I I try and I've got all these phobias about writing and I get busy and I get writer's block and, you know, all of these other things. And so as I have spent time over the last now, like, well, at least five years, with prayer journaling, and there's times that I'll be 
you know, praying slash journaling for as much as an hour or even 90 minutes at times. Uh, not every day, but a lot of times because I, I just get into it. I'm just sharing and, and it's just an amazing experience. So anyhow, after, you know, all of these journal entries over these years, I'm bemoaning the fact that I feel, you know, just completely inadequate in my responsibility to try to write some of the stuff down and to share more. And um, as I'm pining away at my own inadequacy, which I think, like I said, is is fueled by the adversary. He loves us to pick at ourselves and judge ourselves, right? Um, uh, you know, I just get this, like you were saying, this clear, pure inspiration that I know was, was God speaking to my mind. And it wasn't words this time for me. It was just this realization that I had 1,100 prayer journal entries. <laughs> Some of them thousands of words long. Wow. And it was humbling, Paul, because I realized that even when I thought, when I was in the midst of failing at what I felt I needed to do, the Lord had somehow found a way to get me to do it without me even knowing I was doing it. That is mercy to me. Because here I am in the middle of going, oh, I'm such a miserable failure. And he has somehow found a way to get me to reach one of my goals. And so now, of course, I have 1,100 journal entries to go back through and try to pull out things that make sense and share with other people. And I'm excited about that prospect. And that's that's ultimately what Higher Attitudes is about for me is is uh, sharing some very personal things and just helping people get through you know, some of the tangles that I've been in and, and sharing our stories and being with each other as saints because uh, we need each other during these times. I mean, it's uh, the world's getting darker and we need we need higher ways of thinking. We need more light in our lives. That is about the blues. That's, yeah. what, that's what prayer leads us to, right? Awesome. Well, man, it's been helpful for me and I'm sure helpful for other people out there too. So thanks for doing this tonight. And- for our listeners and I guess all of us let's go out there and give it a shot <laughs> right pray more pray yeah. longer right right, right more yeah I like this time. enjoy this time. every minute of it because yeah. the Lord loves us all that's right. absolutely right Paul thank you for the opportunity to come and talk a little bit about this um, this topic I love so great Thanks for listening, everyone. Next time, um, actually have a bonus episode or maybe two coming up with some surprise content this next Monday or Tuesday. Um, so tune in for that. Um, if you have any questions about this episode or someone uh, you know or you would like to participate and want to share the topic discussed, um, please feel free to email me at propulsifier at gmail.com. That's in the uh, description. Uh, if you like what you heard today, please go and give that follow link a click on paulpulsifer.podomatic.com and subscribe on any of the platforms listed on the homepage there. There's a few more added this last week or two, so check that out if you want to. Um, Also, uh, written reviews are quite helpful um, when enough of them come in to help other people find this on other uh, platforms like iTunes or Stitcher, so please feel free to um, go and leave your thoughts there if you would. And... um, Yeah, have a great day, everyone, and remember to stand steadfastly in the freedom God gave us. Until next time, this is Paul Pulsifer.